Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Hi, Deb. How's it going this week? It's going, it's going well. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot on my plate. You have a lot on your plate. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. And I think by the time this airs, we will be past a wedding. Yes. Which we are both involved in this weekend. We are. Yeah, and so that's going to be super exciting. It's going to be very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually looking forward to, to, to kind of going through that this weekend. Yeah, me too. I'm working as the MC. You're working as the band. As, as the band. A, as the reception band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. So yeah, we've been, I'm, and, well, we've been in uh, the Vista in there rehearsing. Last couple of Mondays, nice with the boys, and it's nice. been it's been a lot of fun for us to get back together after over a year and a half of not playing together. Great. So, um, hopefully, we won't suck. No. We, right. We won't right? suck. Right. Like like a rainbow vacuum. Like, like you a, talked yeah, about like last, last week. <laughs> you talked about the rainbow <laughs> vacuum. So it's the suckiest of the mm-hmm, sucking mm-hmm. that that vacuum did, and that's what you want to. That's what you. Yeah, don't want to be. We don't want to be. So <laughs> don't want to be a rainbow vacuum. <laughs> no, we don't. Well, and you know, I think it's one fun thing is like. So we're in there. We don't know. We're you know we're looking at our song song list. Okay, we got to go down this list. What are we gonna do with this wedding? Blah blah blah. And let's just start. Let's just start at the top. So we start at the top. And our band is um, very vocally intricate. Okay. So it's like, are we all going to remember? You our... mean like close harmonies yes. and stuff? Okay. All right. Yeah. We all sing. Okay. And so in all that old school soul music, there's all these harmonies. And that's, I think, was the scariest thing. Are we going to remember? Are we going to remember our, all of our music? Yeah. All of our, you know? And so here it comes, like the first harmony part, and we hit it. And we all look at each other, and it's like, yes. Yes, we remember. It's like, you know, muscle memory. Well, to, to isn't isn't music an amazing thing? It's I, an amazing um, thing. I, a friend of ours uh, passed away a couple of uh, weeks ago, but he had been, he had had a stroke about five years ago. And so he'd been living in a, in a care facility all of this time, and he had very little language. And but his family continued. Um, maybe okay. Um, you can tell me. Yeah, later. I'll tell you later. But um, he had very little language. Okay. But one thing that he did was sing. Mm-hmm. And they would go in. And one his favorite song was the Barney song. I love you. You love me. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Love and he could sing it. And he Aww. sang Happy Birthday. And he sang hymns. That's and he sang. Sweet. He sang so many. And so the family would just go in and they would sing with him. And and that was their way of kind of communicating. And so, um, you know, the the muscle memory for music is really yeah. so important. And we could, you know, we, yeah. we both are super passionate about the yeah. arts and about why we think it's important to teach the kids arts. But, one, yeah. one thing uh, that I got the honor to do, um, well, a week and a half ago or so now. We didn't talk about it last week. Um <clears throat> good friend of my husband um his mom is 
on her homeward journey out, you know, to her next, wherever she's going to land, mm-hmm. and um, asked me to, if I would come over and sing to her, oh. which is part of my kind of hospice work thing right. that I, you know, do. Right. And so um, I asked, well, what, what music did she like? And he said she loved Simon and Garfunkel. Aww. Well, um, I have a friend named Vince, who I think I mentioned last, last week. week. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and um, he and I are preparing to do a Simon and Garfunkel show. So I, I called up Vince. I'm like, hey, how would you feel about, you know, going over and... and um, practicing, if and, you will. And, and practicing <laughs> for this lovely lady who, who is, you know, pretty ill. And he said, yeah. And so um, awesome. we had, there were just a few folks in the room, and she was in a bed in, in their living room in, in a hospice. Yeah. And um, she was present, yeah. you know. She was conscious and awake and could hear us. And we sang all these Simon and Garfunkel songs to her. How and fun. it was so special. Yeah, it was just so, so special and powerful. Just the music that people love. And how it hits their hearts yeah. and, and how we're all so different and all the music that we all love as individuals. You know, you can hear a song that just moved you when you were 16 and yeah. I'll hear another one that moved me. and Bridge Over Trou- Troubled Water for me. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was it for me. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be singing that in the, in the Simon and Deb Funkel show. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, we so we we talked last week about spirituality. We're going to we're going to kind of continue that yeah. conversation. There's so a much bit to today. say. There's so much to say. But, you know, one of the things about spirituality that I com- completely believe in and cling to is this serendipitous mm-hmm. sort of thing, if you will, about about being in touch with something bigger than us. Yeah. And so you and Vin, Vince, you said, right, yeah. have been practicing the Simon and Garfunkel set. Mm-hmm. It's something you want to do. It's something you're planning on performing. Mm-hmm. And here's this woman that you don't know, right. and you're called upon right. to right. sing for her. And you're like, what does she like? She likes Simon and Garfunkel. This is something that has already been put on your heart yep. or put in your mind yep. to 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 sing, to learn, to get, and now you have an opportunity to share it. Exactly. Well, and so kind of to, to speak about what we were talking about last week. So we were doing secular music, right? Right. It's right. not Simon and Garf. Well, my belief is that music is spiritual. Yeah. It's I mean, all spirit. Everything's spiritual. Only a, Rob only a bell only, says yeah. everything is spiritual. Only a, a person can be a Christian. It's not it's, there's no such thing as Christian music or Christian clothes or Christian whatever. Only a person can be. So, you know, to someone else on the outside in that other kind of little spiritual box, they might have looked at that and gone, well, how how was that helpful? That's not Christian. That's not spiritual. And yet it was the most sacred, beautiful, divine opportunity and time spent with this woman that it could ever be there's so you know and yet because we weren't singing hymns Mm -hmm. or or saying the word jesus or god or whatever to some it would be judged that it wouldn't be you know like why are you singing her simon and garfunkel well how is that going to help her cross over yeah you know 
because she that's what she loved. Yeah. You know, and, and actually the songs we picked, we didn't even really think about it. We did we weren't thinking about it, but we chose the song Homeward Bound. Aww. And then we and we chose the song Mrs. Robinson. Well, Jesus loves you more than you will know, right? So, I mean, but that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And it was a spiritual, beautiful time. And so those things, so it makes me think about when people would be all, you know, persnickety with me about, well, how can you be singing in a bar and then go sing in church? It's because... If you're doing what you're born to do, so if you're using your gift that you were given, wherever you're using it, then you are being your true authentic self and you're being a spiritual person. Right. You know? Right. And I don't think that it has to be more. There, that's all it is. Yeah. It's just there's no yeah. more details. It's, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm going to get yelled at. But you don't have to say a sinner's prayer. That's not in the Bible. It's not. If there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible, there's so many things that aren't in the Bible. Right. That somehow got there. And, you know, last week I said, and I don't, and I said it kind of tongue in cheek, and because I don't necessarily mean this, but I said, I'd rather go to a, past, a, a church where there's a gay pastor. I don't mean that. I, what I mean is I would rather go to a church where a gay pastor could be accepted as the minister there and nobody would care. Right. That's what I mean. Because I, that's where there's authenticity. That's right. Because there's nothing wrong with being gay. Right. And, uh, you know, and if you're listening and you disagree, <laughs> well, I challenge you to, to really, really look because... There's a lot of beautiful, loving, wonderful human beings on this planet that are not like me and are not like Liz and are not like anybody. Right. They're their individual self. And they can be just as spiritual and just as as Christian, quote unquote, as anybody else. Well, and as a beautiful Sunday school teacher who is now well into his 90s named Jimmy Carter mm-hmm. has said... Jesus never mentioned anything about homosexuality or abortion. And so this is not something I'm going to talk about, talk about or yeah. judge. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if it wasn't important enough for Jesus to talk about, then it's not important for me to talk about. Yeah, that's... And so what did Jesus talk about? He talked about love. He talked about acceptance. He talked about serving, serving other people. Mm-hmm. I have a runny nose. I'm so sorry. That's but okay. um, talked about serving other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is just. These are the kinds of things that that were so important to Jesus. And when he did call people out for sin, mm-hmm. he called out the hypocrites and the Pharisees and the 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 spiritual or religious leaders of That's the day exactly right. because of their judgment and hypocrisy. Right. So right. you know these are. It's very important, I think, when we when we talk about spirituality, to really understand. Um, the, that judgment has no place. Right. And it, it's really, really hard, I think, to understand it. I know it is for me. You know, I'm going to switch this over here. Hopefully that's going to keep going. Yes, it is. Um, I had to switch a the little. The screen. Okay. Little, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to understand how his 
basic teachings of what you just said, acceptance and tolerance and love and all of those things, how it became such this weird shift into what the American evangelical church has become now, mm-hmm. which it feels like what's happening in terms of our transformation, mm-hmm. which we were, that was the subject of last, last week's week, right. and that's this continue on continuation. Um, it's like we're transi- transitioning back to what it actually is or, or was, or the, what I think it was meant to be. Right. I don't, I right. don't, I think we're not transitioning into something brand new. No, we're transitioning that's, that's into what, into what we were born to to how we were born to live. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's yeah. it's this this new idea of of breaking out of this box of what the evangelical church has become is isn't new. It's what it's was and what it's supposed to be. Right, right is what right, I right. is what I truly truly believe now, and I. But it's taken me a long time to, I think what it's taken me a long time to do is come to a place where I feel confident in what I believe now. I think I used to have, I would have these feelings that something didn't feel right to me and I would question it, but I'd be afraid to like come out and say, I don't think that, you know, whatever, whatever the the topic would be yeah. that are that the evangelical church is so, you know, I'll say hell bent on, <laughs> you know, but well, you know what gives us confidence is is um, is boundaries. Boundaries will give us confidence, and so when we have when we have walls like when we, if there's a storm outside. You know, the safest place yeah. to, when you feel safe is when you're inside of a house that you know is going to protect you from the storm. Right. Right. And so that's where you feel safe is when you have boundaries. Right. And so the religion and yeah. and politics, those two things give you boundaries. That's a really good word picture. Yeah. And so they put these walls around you and they make you feel safe. Mm-hmm. I am protected from those people because those I have yeah, because I have these beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I am in here in this in this protective environment with these other people who believe like I do mm-hmm. and who are going to protect me from those people. Right. And so we put up these walls around us because it makes us feel safe. That's right. That's right. Well, and then as parents, we then try to extend those boundaries into how we raise our children. Right. And I know for me, I had a, I had some fear raising my kids that I recognize now that I didn't recognize it as fear then. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want my kids to be exposed to certain things. And I right. really, really tried to keep them, you know, sequestered from television and different things. And I think I went too far mm-hmm. in some areas. And I wish I would have been a little more trusting of who they are. Right. And, you know, all right, you, you're going to watch that. Well, let's talk about it. Instead of keeping them from it. Right. Well, Okay, maybe we can watch that and then we can have a conversation. And I, I met a young man um, a couple days ago who um, uh, is raising a daughter. Mm-hmm. And he's a gay young man mm-hmm. and has a husband. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they, they're raising their daughter in, in an environment that's just 
I, I wish that I would have raised my kids, you know, yeah. where they're teaching her that everyone is equal. And it's not that I taught my kids that everyone wasn't equal, but I think when you teach your kids that you have to accept Jesus and da-da-da-da-da-da, then you're, you're without language, you're, you're putting an idea in that right. if you're not this, you have to do this to be this. And if you don't do that, you know, then you're out of the club. Even right. though we, don't, we weren't saying that to our kids. We right. weren't saying, but that is the message that it gives. And this set of young parents are doing the exact opposite you know, with, with their daughter that they're raising, mm -hmm. teaching her that the homeless guy is no different than, than the businessman guy, mm -hmm. that everybody's the same. Everybody is someone's child or brother or sister or mother. I mean, you know, we're all connected and we're all the same and we're connected to the earth and the trees. And, and I'm listening to him talk and I'm thinking, that's so beautiful. That's I'll be really, really, I hope I get to meet him again and get to see how the young lady grows up I and know. to see what kind of young woman she becomes because she's going to have a different kind of a, of a perspective on people and, right. and on the world right. than, you know, this kind of little box that we, and I don't, and again, for me, I know when, you know, I'm raising my kids and I did raise my kids that Jesus is love and that Christianity is love. I mean, that's just kind of who I am anyway. And so I, that was my that was my way to communicate that. But we've talked about this. You get your kids in Sunday school and they go to camps and they go here and there and you're not, they're learn they're hearing all kinds of stuff from other leaders in the church about what's acceptable and what isn't. We don't have control over all of that all right. the time. And so even if we're trying to counter maybe some uh -huh. of the more restrictive things, yeah. it doesn't necessarily work. We talked a couple of weeks ago in the abortion episode, you know, about my children specifically and what they were taught and how they kind of conflated, mm -hmm. you know, the, what they were learning there as compared to what they were learning at home. And of course they believe that we believed what the church was teaching them exactly. because we were sending them to that, to church. that church. Right. And so there's an assumption that you believe all of it. Exactly. And, you know, I, as I expressed before in my naivete, did not know that they were being taught you know, right. things that were so incredibly restrictive. But of course they're going to assume that their parents are on board right. because it, it's it's the parents who are getting up early every Sunday morning and getting them all dressed and singing in the choir and playing in the orchestra and volunteering our time and volunteering our services. Right. So of course they're going to assume that we buy into all that. Right. And, you know, there was, I remember a woman, I don't, did I did I talk about the woman who believed in astrology? Did no. I talk okay. So <gasps> was she kicked out of the church? No. Well, <laughs> she's she's actually a judge, a local judge here in town. But here's the thing. I remember being in the hallway of the church. Mm -hmm. I can ex I can picture exactly where we were standing. And she is somebody that I absolutely adore. I adored her then. I adore her now. Her husband sings 
she's intelligent and bright and they've raised a beautiful child. And I uh, really, really think a lot of this couple, right? And so she expressed, and I don't even remember how we got on this topic, but she expressed her belief in astrology. And I, I can still picture the faces of the other women standing there in this circle like, oh, what? You know, <laughs> you, yeah. what? You believe in, in astrology? And, and she said, well, think about it. If we believe that the God of the universe created everything, the stars, the firmaments, the, the, the mountains, why wouldn't we believe that he would find ways to communicate with us through those stars? and through the structure and through the organization and through the chaos mm -hmm. that is the firmament, you know? Yeah. Why wouldn't God want to speak to us through and what that? Did they... I just, I don't remember that I had a response, but I do remember that it, we're now 30 years beyond that. You know, that was 30 years ago, yeah. 25 years ago, whatever. Well, and that still sticks with me because now today, at the time, I might have read the astrology in the local paper because it was interesting, but yeah. not because I believed it. Right. But now today, I'm like, heck yeah. Mm -hmm, exactly. Why wouldn't God speak to us through his creation? Right, right. Well, and I mean, and I, I was just talking with someone recently about, you know, astrology and, you know, that I read my horoscope every day. And I have like this kind of spiritual one that I look at and, and they were like, really, do you believe that? And I said, well, I said, I don't not believe it. You right. know, right. I mean, I find it kind of interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't understand it all, but I have no reason to not believe that, that there could be um, a lot of information out there that I could learn from correct you know and I, and I don't have to be all afraid of it that it's some weird thing that's you know I, I remember meeting a um a young man this was years ago who wouldn't take a philosophy class yeah. at college yeah because he didn't want he didn't want to hear it he didn't want to learn anything right. about other philosophies and it's like why 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 wouldn't you want to learn about other things? I mean, I, I, and that was a young, I was a young believer then, and I thought that then. And still, and Debbie, it's gotten worse though. I know, you know, and so what? What is happening in today's world? So we don't like what we see on Facebook, so we're going to go over to Parlor, you know, because we we want to to only listen to people that that think like us, you know. We're going to to join this Facebook group because we want to we want to be in touch with people who just think like right. us. We want to go to this church because we want to be with people who think like us and you know there's so many on on both sides the left and the right mm -hmm. who are who are fear-mongering mm -hmm. and and telling you this is going to happen if you go over here you're you're going this is going to happen to you if you get the vaccine this is going to happen to you if you go to this church this is going you know and everybody's spreading fear yeah. everybody yeah and yet the reason you get into your little boxes is because you're afraid right. well, of and, something out there. Well, and it's what you just said, too, about boundaries. Yeah. You know, I mean, we I think there's, it's a normal human need 
it's it's a need to feel safe. Feel safe. You know, and so you you know, it's not safe to go talk to that homeless guy, or it's not safe to walk over there. Or, you know, there's all kinds of things that we're supposed to be afraid of in our in our world. And we have got to stop being inf- uh, afraid of information. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop being afraid of information. We can't be afraid of science no. or education or philosophy or other religions because in the end all it's going to do is to is to raise our awareness of our brothers and sisters all around us. All it's going to do is open our hearts and minds to loving people. Right. And yes, we can still have boundaries that protect us from danger we can still we don't have we can love you know the 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 person who's spending seven life sentences because of murders or whatever we can love that person but not necessarily have to have them in our home for dinner if that's something that doesn't make us feel safe but we can love them you know what I mean and so it's it's this fear of information and so we so yes, boundaries protect us from storms on the outside, but they also shield us from information mm-hmm. that can open our hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. And and we have to learn to to recognize the good boundaries and the and the ba- the walls versus the boundaries. Right, right. We have got to start recognizing walls versus boundaries. Well, I I think if you know, if people could, and I and I say people in general, and I mean, I say my own. I mean, I have biases, you have biases, we all do. But mm-hmm. if, it's like, how how do we go, okay, I have these fears, and I'm going to look at those. I mean, how, how most people, I'm not, well, I don't even know if that's true. I don't know if it's true that most people... I don't know if you we don't take the time, if we just we're too busy trying to make a living, we don't have time to think about these things. So we just are quick to make these judgments instead of stop and really think. You you know what I mean? Right. I mean, it seems like we're in this society. I mean, our society moves so fast. I remember having these arguments with my mom and she would say, "Well, you need to be, you know, you need to be more politically aware. You need to know what's happening in the world." And and this was when I was young and raising my kids. And I'm thinking, well, she's probably right, but I'm slammed busy. So when when am I going to take the time in a day to read 3 hours of news that she does? Right. You know, right, she's right, right. she's retired. She can sit there on her computer or watch three news shows and become get all this information so she know I don't have time to do that. Right. You know? And so how how do we stop and internalize and take a look inward on what we're thinking and and you know, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know how we do that. As well, a society, as an individual, I mean, I feel like I feel like now that I'm a little bit older, you know, it's just kind of happened naturally for me to to want to stop and understand who I am and my motivations and the things that bother me. But I think a lot of people get to the end of their life and they've never even really considered any of it. Right. And they've maybe right. maybe maybe have missed out on you know, some joy and some answers and some peace and I don't know. Yeah. I remember 
you know, I, I think that there's there's people that say every day do something that scares you. You know, yeah. there's lots of memes that have, go around that say that every fridge. day do something that scares you. And I think that when we do stuff that scares us or that makes us feel uncomfortable, we don't necessarily have to do it again, but it will have left an impact on us. And it will grow us yep. and change us and, yep. and and slowly morph us into connecting with the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. I remember um, many years ago, it was 2004, and I had a, a child that had gone missing and was, you know, I in the last few months we've been, de- or last few weeks, we've been dealing with a young woman who went missing. And her body was found. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of attention yes. on that on that, those circumstances. And what, um, you know, who gets the attention when something like that happens? She was a blonde, blue-eyed, you know, innocent girl who has gotten a lot of attention because she went missing. But there's a lot of, you know, Asian Americans and African Americans, and there's a lot of people all over the world who are missing. There's a lot of, we were just watching a thing, and a lot of Native American a lot of Native Americans that go missing and, on and these. They on these, don't get the coverage, and why? And why? And so these are things that these are things that scare people. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that the idea of um, somebody going missing is frightening. Well, you've lived it. I've lived it, and so but it's frightening to a lot of people, and so I think that that is. Uh, like a wall that they put up. Well, that's not going to happen to my family. Mm-hmm. That's not my family. So I, I, I don't want to think about that. Right. But I do remember that when we were out searching for my child, somebody thought that they saw them in this particular apartment complex. And so my husband and I went over to this apartment complex. The manager let us go into the apartment and wander through this apartment to see if I could see any indication that it was my child. And you know what I saw there as I walked through this filthy place that it had the electricity turned off. There was a hole in the attic where they, um, up in the ceiling where they had stashed drugs and and um, guns and stuff from the cops. Oh, wow. There was a mattress that was... You. Uh, yeah, yeah. There Ew. was there was moldy cottage cheese in the refrigerator because the power had been turned off. There was a, 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 a pot sitting on the stove that still had some sort of gross Ew. stuff Ew. In, it. Uh, in it. Yeah. And there was hair dye, and there was um, uh, boxes... Like, Boxes left, boxes of tampons and other female, you know, care stuff. Mm-hmm. And as I'm walking through there, I just thought, even if this isn't my child that was it's here, somebody's. it's somebody's child. And that experience, I I can still picture the apartment when I drive down that street. I remember being there. I remember everything about that moment because for me that completely ripped my heart and ripped it open to empathy for other moms and dads who were in the same situation that we were in because even if it wasn't my kid Mm -hmm. it was somebody's kid that had been living in this squalor I actually know a good friend of mine and again no names but they have a son who's on the street, mm-hmm. been on the street now for years. Mm-hmm. 
drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really sad situation. There's also, there's a young man who is homeless here in our neighborhood who I know him by name. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that his mom comes down here regularly and does what she can do. This this particular young man is has been problematic. There's been many people around here who have had to have him arrested because he's... Things have been thrown. Is this the one that's thrown things at your front door? He's <laughs> thrown things uh-huh. at, at the door. He's he's proceeded to to break windows, and he's he's done a lot of things that are are terrible. And and you know, I, I'm sure it's a combination of drug addiction and mental mental illness. Mental illness. The police can't really do anything about it. They try, but right. there's no. He hasn't committed a heinous enough crime to put him away for any kind of length of time. I don't know that he would even go. I don't know if he's even rehabable because of whatever is going on with him. Right. Um, I actually had to call the police mm-hmm. one night on him because we couldn't get out, mm-hmm. and he was scaring us at the right. door. Um, you know, so I've I've seen this young man a lot, and. Um, but you've also seen his mother. I have, right? and and I try, and I and I. Well, you've seen me do it. You've seen me out there, yeah. t- talking to him <laughs> and like asking him if he needs water, and yeah. So now, so for the last I don't know month or so, when I see him, I look at him and I and I call him by name and I say hi, yeah, and and I ask him if he needs anything, and I've just I I've, I've tried to have a mental shift of what we're talking about. Yeah. He's someone's kid. He's a human being. He's got a soul. He's got issues that we have no idea. Well, Sunday morning, um, we had a big event out there in the parking lot uh-huh. and I got here at work. I got here early and mm-hmm. he was wandering around and I, I don't personally feel like he's going to harm me. Right. So I don't feel afraid to walk out and pass him by or whatever. But at first I did when I first, right. and I, and honestly, the police have said he's probably not the safest person, but whatever. Right. Sunday morning, I was in and out doing my thing and he, he comes up to me and he had a, a red solo cup and it was filled with flowers and he gave me flowers mm. and it made me ball. <laughs> It oh, like, my gosh, Debbie. It totally made me ball. <laughs> he gave me, and I still have them in there. I can yeah. sh- I'll show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, he goes, there's like seven flowers in here for you. Like, really? <laughs> so, it, it just, it just touched, it touched me that there's a good guy in there. Because you opened your mind and your heart to something that scared you, something that didn't make you feel comfortable, something that was outside of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and outside of your protective barriers. You took down the wall. You kept up your boundaries because you made sure that you were safe. But you took down the walls. Yeah. And I try to look at him and because I know... I know that there's a good guy in there. Yeah. He's not a bad guy. Yeah. He does bad things because who knows what happened to him. Right. 
And, and yeah, we do still need to be careful and be aware. And, you know, he might still do some wacky thing. I don't know, but it doesn't mean that I have to live in fear. It needs, it means I have to be, you know, smart and aware, but I don't need to be afraid. Right. I don't need to be afraid of him. And I can, you know, but again, you know, a lot of people have had to have him arrested, and I, um, I almost did. Right. You know, and so it's just such a hard line sometimes. But I just felt like he gave me some flowers, and so somewhere in there he recognized that I'm trying to see him for who he is. Right. He's a human being. Yeah. You know, and the skeptic would say that he's just manipulating that's, you to try to get what he that's wants exact, from you. That's exactly right. And but it doesn't even matter. Mm-mm. It doesn't even matter because you made a connection with this person. Right. And that's what's important. And as I see, you know, on social media, I see all the horrible, awful things being said about people on the other side, you know, the others. These people are this and these people are that. These people are still a child of God. These people are still humans. These people still have husbands and wives and children and grandchildren, and they're doing the best that they can, just like you're doing the best that you can. And just because you don't believe like they believe, you know, if you just open your heart and mind to the philosophy that is them, right? And and not be afraid of it. Right. Not be afraid of it. Not be af- don't nothing, be afraid of the new. There's the nothing different. to be afraid of. There's yeah. like there's nothing to be afraid of. If you're if you meet a guy who's a Buddhist and you're not, get to know him. Yeah. Get to know what it means to be a Buddhist. Yeah. You don't have to be afraid of it. It's not gonna change your perspective necessarily. Well, it might not change your religion, but it might change your perspective. Right. And I think that that's what people are afraid of, is having their perspective changed. And that that it's somehow going to be against what they believe or Or something. Or it's going to reflect badly on them. Yeah. And and it's that, if there is a Satan, that's where it is. Yeah. That's where Satan lives, you know, is in those little weird places in people's psyches that make them think Stuff like that, yeah. you know? And um, I don't know, Liz. <sighs> Debbie, how, how, do we, how do we even conclude this topic? There's well, just, I don't even know. It, it's not. It's a continued conversation that needs to be a continued conversation. Yeah. But here's the thing. Everything is spiritual. Yeah. Uh, like Rob Bell says, everything is spiritual. And that means, and what and what I think he means by this, and what I mean by everything is spiritual, is that we are all connected. Mm -hmm. Everything that we see, that we do, that we touch, that we hear, it, it, it gets into our brain and it, and it connects us with the rest of the universe. When I hear songs on the radio, I'm connected to, you know, those singers, people that I've never met before. I'm connected to them when I, when I love their music. I'm connected to, you know, as I watch the Tonys and the Emmys and I see these amazing actors and actresses, I'm connected to their work. And that makes me connected to them. And it doesn't matter if they're Whatever, if they're whatever religion or whatever sexual proclivity or whatever financial, you know, station that they belong to, we are 
all connected. Yep. And there's nothing to be afraid of. Absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Right. And that's that's a good place to conclude. There's nothing to be afraid of, people. So to learn. Yeah. Listen. So be talk. O- be open yeah. to dancing with your skeleton of of perhaps fear of you know, someone who's different than you. Of the others. Of the of the others. Fear <laughs> of the others. Yeah. 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 All right, Missy. Missy, yeah. Missy, Missy. Well, reach out to us on, on dancingwithskeletons.net mm-hmm. and let us hear from you. Yeah, please do. Thanks. Thanks. Love you guys.